everyone. Welcome to Culture Cast. My name is Jack Lipsy, your host for this program. I appreciate you joining me here today. Before we get started, as always, the shameless plugs, be sure to visit us over at thedailyapologist.com. If you have not done so already, you can subscribe to the newsletter, get updates that way, or you can go follow us and give us a like over on Facebook. There we have our articles, videos, and podcasts posted there. But also, we are on Twitter, Two places you can find us, at daily underscore apologist. That's at daily underscore apologist. And also you can find me on Twitter, at Jack Lipsy. That's at J-A-C-K-L-I-P-S-E-Y. I would appreciate a follow over there. Okay, so want to get into today's episode. As you'll know, last week we talked about the logic of transgenderism and how... Transgenderism as an ideology uh, compared to reality, there are a lot of ways in which it doesn't work, that it doesn't match up to reality. And in some cases, that is a fault of those who hold that ideology. In another case, it is not. And we'll get into that in just a little bit. But there are some things that throughout the week, after I did the episode, some other things that I thought about that kind of go along with the theme of the logic of transgenderism, and I think one of the ways that it's best expressed is in this video on YouTube that was actually released, it was published uh, two years ago in 2016, about about gender identity, and the title of the video is, Can a 5'9 white guy be a 6'5 Chinese woman? And I think that this video kind of expresses the ideology, or at least the the quick acceptance of gender identity because he starts off by asking a few different college people, what would you say if I told you that I was a woman? And of course, he is clearly clearly a man. What would, what would you say if I told you that I was a woman? And a lot of people were quick to say, if that's the way that you feel on the inside, if that's, if that's the, the direction of your life that you're taking, then, then that's fine. And so he begins to add on some things to this question. Well, what if I told you I was a Chinese woman, and he's clearly a, a, a just a normal white guy, and they were, they were still accepting of it, but you could tell that there was kind of some hesitation, but ultimately they said, well, if, if you feel that you're a Chinese woman, okay. And he said, what if I, told, what if I asked or told you that I was a 6'5 Chinese woman? And now you start getting into the realm of objective reality, where although he might feel like a woman on the inside, despite what he is on the outside, and although he might feel like a Chinese woman on the inside, despite what he looks like or what his genetic makeup is uh, and what he looks like on the outside, and then to add the, the final thing of... What if I was a 6'5 Chinese woman? And now we're into the realm of objective reality where he's 5'9 claiming to be 6'5. There's a huge discrepancy there. Just because I feel that I'm taller than I am does not make that a reality. And so at that point, they begin to they begin to say, okay, well, you know, we have to we have to kind of put a stopping point on it at, at some at some place, and the whole point is to show that there is an objective reality. 
there is something that is true, that is objective, that no matter how we feel about it, that we our feelings don't change the facts of the matter. Let's go ahead and give another example. Uh, the shirt that I'm wearing, although that you, you can't see it, the shirt I'm wearing is red. I think that red shirts are cool. So the fact or the case that my shirt is red is an objective fact. Me saying that I think red shirts are cool is a subjective reality. It is the truth that my shirt is red. It is an opinion that I think red shirts are cool. Now let's go ahead and apply that to the topic at hand. It is the truth that I am a man. It is an opinion that I am a woman. The belief does not change the external reality. But let's go ahead and bring this question into focus. Why is it, and, and I'm, not, I'm not asking these things or saying these things in an antagonistic way. I'm merely thinking through these things. So I, I want to make that clear as well. But why is it that when it comes to these feelings of what I feel in the inside, why does that only apply to gender? Why doesn't that apply to, let's say, age or race or ethnicity or height or weight? If we had someone, to, to the video's point, to the guy in the video, his point, if we found a grown man, a 40-year-old man, who is playing in a sandbox with other kids at at a playground, and we asked him, why are, are one of these your kids? And he said, no, I'm actually a five-year-old girl. Would we, would our first inclination to be just completely accepting of that and say, oh, well, if that's how you feel, then that must be the reality of it. No, chances are we would be on the phone with police and we would say that there's a, a creep here at the playground who's playing with kids claiming he's a five-year-old girl. We would not look at that as something that is normal. But for some reason, we are completely accepting of somebody saying that they are an opposite gender of what they biologically are. But if some man were to say that I am a five-year-old girl, we would have serious doubts about that. We would go so far as to say, unless he was just a complete pervert or a pedophile, we would say that he is mentally ill. Now, here's what we see in the culture today. The mental illness box is reserved for only a specific type of people. Those with, let's say, schizophrenia, depression, eating disorders. And there has been a lot of talk, especially on Twitter now, how a large majority of younger people are claiming that they are suffering from mental illness. And normally what that means is depression. Now, we see this also after this discussion after school shootings as well. That not only do we have to do something with gun control, but we also have to do something with mental illness. That someone who thinks that it is a good idea to go into a school with a gun and kill people, and of course not just school shootings, but any time that occurs, we say that not only should something be done about gun control, but they must be mentally ill. We have to do something about mental illness. But why is it that mental illness only, the, the mental illness box only takes in people who want to harm others, 
schizophrenia, those other mental, mental illnesses, depression, eating disorders. If somebody is anorexic and they are 90 pounds, but they think that they are 300 pounds, that they are overweight, we would say, no, that does not fall in line with reality. You are not 300 pounds, nor do you look 300 pounds. But in that person's mind, they think that they are, but we know that there is a distinction between what they think and what they believe versus the objective reality of it. And that's kind of what we're seeing with gender identity disorder, transgenderism, gender dysphoria, whichever you want to call it, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing that someone has a belief that does not correspond to reality. My personal opinion, and I I could make the case that that this is more of an objective fact, uh, but this is just me saying this. I don't want you to. I don't want you to. You know, jump on the bandwagon. Other people might have different opinions about this, but I don't think that we do any good service to those who believe this about themselves. Uh, that that we are reinforcing something, a belief in them that blatantly defies and contradicts reality. Now, here's something important. Do not get me wrong on this. This does not mean that their belief is any less real to them. Take take anorexia, for example. That does not mean that because they think one thing and we see objectively another, that does not mean that that belief is any less real or not real to them. It means that we help them come to terms with their belief versus reality. And we normally do this in the sense of psychological help on the professional level. Simply giving in and encouraging the behavior, I don't think is the right or the best answer. In fact, Mark Yarhouse in his book, Understanding Gender Dysphoria, which I'm still working through, uh, he, he says that the least invasive method is always the best. Hormone treatment and, and sex reassignment surgery are always the most invasive because you are physically changing something that is, a, in a lot of cases, or in some cases, irreparable or irreparable. My wife and I got, sorry, that word is on my mind. My wife and I got into a discussion uh, where her student used the word irreparable. Um, and so so me having to consciously use the word has caused me now to say irreparable, irreparable. Moving on. the We always want to go with the least invasive method of treating this person uh, or of helping them work through this. Now... I say all that because those are thoughts that I had after last week's episode that I didn't get in, but the more I thought about it, the more I had these thoughts, so I said I wanted to at least share them with you. Now, what I want to do for the remainder of this program is get into a Christian response to transgenderism, and I I think that there are a couple of different places that we can look in the Bible quickly to to get a handle on how we should think about some of these things. And one of the first things that we need to understand, especially, and this isn't just with transgenderism, this is with the world at large, is that we are living in a fallen world. If you have not noticed this recently, I'm telling you now. We live in a world that is not perfect. 
that I believe was created to be perfect, but when sin entered into the picture, things just went downhill, and they went downhill pretty fast. And I don't think that we're at the bottom yet, but we're still going downhill. Here's what Paul has to say in Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 18. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. One of the things that we see there that Paul says is that not only is the creation groaning, but we as part of that creation, as still physical beings in a physical world, our physical bodies are, un- are groaning inwardly as well. Physical things are sometimes out of alignment. And people, as we know, suffer from varying mental illnesses. I would say that that includes, in a severe case, gender identity disorder or gender dysphoria, whichever way you decide to identify that. I think that people, there are people who are truly struggling with this, and this is the most severe case that we are talking about. But one thing that we as Christians need to understand is as perfect as we would love the world to be, and unfortunately, and Christians, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be getting on us about this in just a minute, as perfect as we sometimes think we ourselves are, and we are not, that we live in a fallen world We live in a world where people are broken physically and spiritually, and we, too, were once in that position. And we're still broken in a sense. We still give in to sin, although our ultimate goal is to overcome sin and to become people that God would have us to be, that he created us to be, that that Jesus came so that we can become those people we still mess up and we still are not perfect. Not in and of ourselves. So we need to understand that, that there are people who are out there who are suffering from all sorts of different things, not only physical ailments, but mental ones as well. So when we encounter somebody who's truly dealing with and truly struggling with gender dysphoria, we need to keep that in mind that we live in a fallen world. The second thing that we need to keep in mind is that we find in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 17, Paul again writes, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity, but that is not the way you learned Christ. And Paul goes on to say, talking about putting off the former self and taking on the new life in Christ. There are some times that people might not be suffering from any sort of mental illness, but they feel that they don't fit in. They feel that they're lost, that they don't have a place in the world. 
and pretty soon they're going to start hearing things and entertaining ideas that maybe other people are saying to them and, and follow paths that sound good. Paths that promise acceptance and freedom. But many times, these paths are not accepting of all people. Sometimes they do not offer the freedom that was originally promised. And many times, people don't find happiness. But they still choose to follow these paths nonetheless. Because they feel it's right, because it sounds good, because maybe somewhere down there at the end of the tunnel there will be that light, and all of the promises that were made to me will eventually be fulfilled. Paul here talks about those who are in the futility of their minds, darkened in their understanding, due to the hardness of their heart and the ignorance that is in them. Ignorance is not a bad word. Ignorance just means lack of knowledge that you are ignorant, that you did not know. And a lot of people that we see today, this is the other side of it. This is not not the Romans chapter 8 issue that I'm talking about with, with fallen humanity necessarily, but what I'm talking about are people who might not be suffering from true gender dysphoria, but are nonetheless following down this path of gender fluidity, gender freedom, Uh, you know, cross-gender and things like that, that they have taken on this mindset and this lifestyle, even though they may not be suffering mentally from an illness, they still follow it. But our response is not any different. We should be at the forefront of showing compassion to them and teaching them the ways of God and the right way to think about things. Again, going back to the logic of this ideology, it does not match up to reality, and that's what we should be showing people. We should not be saying how much they disgust us. We should not be saying or giving any indication that we hate them or do not love them or find them at the lowest rung of the totem pole. No, we should be welcoming, we should have our arms open, we should be showing the love of Jesus, although there are people suffering from a mental illness, and although there are people who are ignorant in their thinking and following paths that we would never think to follow, we still need to show the love of Christ. That is what is most important. In Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7, we find one of, the greatest, uh, one of the greatest sermons that has ever been preached, but also Jesus says something about judging here that is really important and that all Christians need to keep in mind. Because let me tell you what, the world in some cases knows the Bible better than some Christians, and they are quick to, to pull out Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1, but they never go past that. So I want to read this section Uh, verses 1 through 5, and I want us to hear what Jesus says about judging. He says, chapter 7, verse 1 of Matthew, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. 
Jesus here, as many, although although I said a lot of unbelievers know the Bible better than some Christians, uh, they they know this verse, but they don't use it in the right context. They're completely distorting it. Jesus here doesn't say don't judge, because a lot of people who use this verse judge themselves. So Jesus here is not saying don't judge. He's saying judge with a right measurement. Because whatever standard you use to judge, that standard is going to be used against you. And he goes into this example of the speck in your brother's eye versus the log in your own. Now remember what Paul talked about in Ephesians chapter 4, the ignorance that some people have, the ignorance that is in them. Christians, we sometimes have some ignorance in us. We sometimes suffer from the ignorance that we have a log in our own eye, and yet we try to micromanage the speck that is in our brother's eye. We need to sometimes just get off our high horse, judge the correct way. But not only that, let's make sure that we're being humble in our judgment. Let's make sure that we are not positioning ourselves in any sort of superior way to somebody else. That's certainly not the way that we learned Christ. If anything, we should take the example of Christ from Philippians chapter 2 and humble ourselves to being a servant. I am a servant of God. But not only that, I'm not above my fellow man. I'm on the same level playing field as they are. I just happen to come to the truth. It's not my truth. It's God's truth. So I should be humbled that I even have it. But if I'm going to be looking at somebody and saying, you know, I don't think that you're thinking correctly. I don't think that your thinking or your ideology matches up to reality. I need to do so in a humble way. But I also need to make sure that I'm not judging them or I'm not bringing this up hypocritically. If there's something that I have in my life, especially in, in the same subject or the same area, that is not right then I need to get that right before I try to help somebody else or I try to or I try to, to judge them in saying that I don't think your ideology is correct or that it matches up to reality. Be humble in our judgment. Moreover, I may have already said this, I can't remember because I'm kind of going a million miles a minute just because I, I have all this information and all of these thoughts and I just want to get them out. Moreover, here are some tips. These are just all kind of thrown together. Don't recoil in disgust from those who are truly struggling. Whether they are suffering from a mental illness or whether they have chosen this path, don't recoil in disgust from them. Show compassion, because I think that's the best way to offer help. Share the truth of God and allow them to explore Christ in light of what they are dealing with. We need to make sure that we are doing our best to help people, to share the truth of God and not the truth of Jack, not the truth of X, Y, and Z, insert your name here. It's not my truth and it's not your truth, it's God's truth. Because there are a lot of things that we do in our own life that don't match up to reality. There are some ways that we think that aren't the ways that God thinks. There's some ways that we act that aren't the way that Jesus acted. We need to always keep that in mind, especially when we're dealing with a movement and an ideology such as transgenderism or gender dysphoria. 
Um, there is a quote that I found in Yarhouse's book that I wanted to share, and I think that it's a, it's kind of a fitting end to this episode. On page 144 in Mark Yarhouse's book, Understanding Gender Dysphoria, he says this, Rather than reject the person facing such conflicts, the Christian community would do well to recognize the conflict and try to work with the person and with those who have expertise in this area to find the least invasive ways to manage the dysphoria and to offer compassion and mercy when that has not been possible. Perhaps future programs of research will provide greater insight and clarity into an area that seems particularly difficult to navigate at present. Again, there's something that Yarhouse says, and he continues to say in this book the more that I've read, and that is gender dysphoria is something that is rare. And again, I said this last week, and I say it again, because there seems to be a disconnect in what Yarhouse is saying, that it's rare versus what we see in culture. Those who are truly struggling with a mental illness, I think that sometimes we need to show more compassion to them. Those who are doing this or who have this ideology to be trendy, to follow the crowd, to say, although I might not be suffering from a mental illness, I'm still confused as to who I am, I think that they're in a, more of a position to understand the truth of God than maybe somebody else. And I'm not saying that they may not understand it, but they they may have more trouble coming to grips with 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 reality versus the way that they feel that there's more of a struggle there. However, our approach should not change in the compassion area. You might not understand, I don't understand everything that those who are suffering from gender dysphoria go through. I, I, I don't. But I think that we as Christians, we need to listen. We need to hear them out. I'm not saying that we compromise the truth. I'm saying we hear them out because a lot of times what they need most is somebody to listen to them instead of judge them. I think that we need to have our arms open. I'm not talking about accepting everything, but I am talking again just about having a little bit of compassion, a little bit of understanding, a little bit of knowing that we live in this broken and fallen world and there are people who are broken and fallen and need the exact same thing that we need. I'm not perfect. I have my own faults. You do too. And so when it comes to understanding gender dysphoria or when it comes to the topic of transgenderism, I think that there is a right way to think about it. I think that there is a reality that is objective, that is not merely subjective. I do think that there are some people who struggle more than others. And I think that we need to navigate this world the best that we know how right now. And it's not going to be easy, but I think that with the help of God, I think that we can do it. I want to thank you for joining me here today on CultureCast. I do hope that this has been somewhat informative. I hope that it's been encouraging, and I hope that it's given you at least something to think about, especially when it comes to navigating such a difficult and complex and, and honestly, a topic that we don't know much about yet that, that is, still being, is still being researched, is still trying to be understood, but, but we do need to do the best that we can right now. Uh, the truth of God doesn't change, uh, but sometimes we need to change our approach. So thank you again for being here. Check us out at The Daily Apologist. Also, uh, I wanted to mention this one last thing. If you have not done so, 
We have an aggregate site, the Apologetics Report. Uh, Forrest Antimaceris is the one who is overseeing that, but he also has a podcast as well. You can find his first episode of his podcast over at Dean's Dialogue. Um, but also, if you go to the, the apologeticsreport.com, the, the podcast is there too. Go and check that site out. It's got a lot of good apologetics material, a lot of good articles from different places. This is not the, the Daily Apologist. It is just an aggr- aggregate site to be able to compile a list of different apologetics resources for you. But Forrest's first podcast was stellar. Uh, so I encourage you to go and check that out. Uh, give him a, go and, and follow him on Facebook as well. Give him a like there. And, and we just, again, I'm going to wrap this up. Thank you for joining me today, and I hope that you have a wonderful day.